Hey, hey. And here we are. Hello, we hello, go. hello. Welcome, welcome, welcome. How's it going, Dustin? Uh, it's going pretty well. How about you, Kane? How's your week been? Busy. Busy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm a bit, a bit gutted because uh, I've been kind of working on my setup this week. So I've tried to get myself a bit of a background going on. I don't know if you can see the VUX World sign over there that uh, 169 Labs quite uh, nicely bought me uh, for doing the uh, All About Voice conference. Plugged in my uh, DSLR into the computer, using it as the, the camera, and fired up the software. Doesn't pick up the camera. Oh, no. Oh, no. Nightmare. Technology. So now, technology. I'm downgraded to this standard webcam while you're <laughs> over there in super HD. I'm over here in, uh, well, I don't even know what it is, not even SD. It's uh, shocking. But nevertheless, at least, at least we're doing this. At least we're able to get live. Uh, and we are joined today by an amazing guest, Mark Gray of Constant Companion. Hello there, Mark. Hey, guys. How are you doing? Very well. Very well. How are you? Doing great, Dustin and King. So so great to be with you, and uh, thanks for having us on today. Likewise. So, you, you, so you're based in Florida, we were just saying there, is that right? That's right. We're in the uh, west coast of Florida, Gulf Coast. Uh, all the hurricanes roll right past us and go into the Gulf. Uh, we just have blue skies and, and sun, unless it comes in and does a nice <laughs> slice like my golf shot, then it's <laughs> right into Tampa Bay. We have to duck for cover, uh, but we're okay right now. We were talking about hurricanes yesterday, weren't we, Kane? Yes. Uh, hurricanes and uh, tornadoes. You, Mark, tornadoes. you were saying that you were in Dallas for a while, too. So tornadoes sure. versus hurricanes, which would you rather avoid? Uh, you know, if it's a movie when you got your popcorn and you're watching a story about them, either one is fine. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, I think a hurricane, at least you have a few days notice. You know, you, you know it's coming. Uh, tornadoes come with no warning. That's the big thing with those guys. I and mean, when I lived in, in both uh, Dallas, Texas, and Oklahoma City, uh, came out of nowhere and, and while you were sleeping middle of the night and the roof was gone. So not good. I, I'll probably take a good old hurricane. At least I know I know to watch out for it. Yeah. Plus, you've got that. Um, Kane, I don't know if you know this. Uh, I, I don't know if it's something that you just learned when you grow up around tornadoes, but you know a tornado is coming because you hear a train whistle. So not only is it coming to destroy your home, but it's <laughs> it's telling you that it's coming to mess you up. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Is that the, is that the is that the alarm that we heard the other day when we were on that call? The testing the tornado alarm was that what it was? Uh, I don't know, but the the um, the train um, the train horn is the sound of the tornado itself. Oh, yep. really? Yep. Yeah, yeah. That's oh, commonly yeah. described. People after the tornado say it sounded like a train was coming. And then the roof went off the building. So, but you only get that for a few seconds. You don't know for very long. And but then it's too late. And if you're asleep, oh well. So, uh, game so, over. Yeah. Finito. <laughs> Hasta la vista. Yeah. Uh, I was trying to think of a nice segue to Dolly Parton, but I couldn't think of one. But anyway, you're Dolly Parton's cousin, apparently. Well, I'm, I'm a fan of Dolly and our grandmothers are sisters. Yeah. So I grew up in East Tennessee and. Uh, she was a local star, not a big national star yet, and was on local TV. And she was a, you know, a few years older than me, but I uh, was looked up to her because she was a good singer at the county fair and those kinds of things. And then, of course, she went off to be a, a, a big, big star in movies and music. And she's just a very, very nice person, really down to earth person. Yeah. 
taught her, taught her everything she knows, you were saying, off camera. <laughs> <laughs> everything except the singing. I, I, I'm not a singer. I can't carry a tune in the bucket, so I'm, I'll, I'll leave that to God. Yeah. <laughs> Classic. So, Mark, tell us tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us, well, tell us a bit about yourself and tell us a bit about Constant Companion as well. Sure. Well, most of my career uh, was in security. I did both physical and cybersecurity uh, for very large commercial companies and also for the federal government did cybersecurity for the United States White House, uh, Department of Homeland Security, and some work in the intelligence community. So we were good at breaking and entering, and we were good at um, keeping people from breaking and entering and also uh, protecting information, information assurance. So, you know, when I sold my company, we were about 500 people um, that, you know, was going to semi-retire at that point in time and play some golf and uh, and do other you know fun things. But my mom fell a few years ago and broke her ankle. So I got me uh, worried about her falling again. And what if nobody was around? What if she fell and was going to be, you know, by herself and stranded? So I bought her one of those, you know, those um, wearable push buttons, you know, the, the panic button, I've fallen and can't get up type uh, mm. alerts. And she called me up on the phone, Kane, and she said, you know, son, I love you, but there's no way I'm ever going to wear one of those things. So here I had been taking care of others, keeping people safe for 25 years, and I couldn't take care of my mom, you know. So I went looking for what else is there off the shelf, and I asked my friends who were my same age and generation with older parents, Hey, I couldn't get my mom to wear one. What What have you found? They said, Mark, I had the same problem. My dad lives alone, and I he's older. I couldn't get him to wear one of those things either. Um, and so I said, well, I got one for my mom, and she told me she'd wear it until I left. And uh, then she put it in the drawer. Just She just told me that to, so I wouldn't worry about her, but she's not going to wear one of those things that makes them feel um, old or embarrassed or it has a big sign on you that says, hey, I'm – I'm frail and fragile. I've got to wear this big red panic button. So people didn't want to wear them. So it led me on a search to find something for my mom. And that led me to voice technology, which of course, voice is a powerful voice. You've had it since you were a kid. Voice is always there. Voice works. And uh, we developed a very simple application uh, that's led us to here today. But uh, now what we offer is a much broader solution with a lot of a lot of bells and whistles that maybe some of your your audience and followers might be able to be helpful uh, because being a developer, if you've got skills in building voice uh, skills or, or applications, <clears throat> boy, the ability to serve others, the ability to be part of healthcare, to be a part of serving tens of millions of older adults in America, it's 50 million right now and climbing at a rate of 10,000 people a day turning 65. So we're going to need tools and solutions. We're going to need a little bit of technology to help us um, operate uh, as we grow. And, and we're aging longer and longer. By golly, if we can get self-driving cars, which I'm excited about, uh, we ought to be able to get self-driving homes. We ought to be able to get homes that are built for a lifetime to kind of support us and help us with things from, from medication reminders to communications to emergency to keeping you secure, to keeping you entertained and engaged mentally, using using our brain. So uh, the audience you've got are super important. If you're involved in this industry right now, you're going to change the world. 
And I'm kind of hoping to influence some of your audience today to build something, build something of useful that can change people's lives who are aging, because I'm going to tell you, they're depending on you. If you don't build it, if you don't help create that uh, next generation of tools for older adults, uh, who will? So uh, you may have an idea that uh, you, you, you want to bring to life. We'd sure love to see you use those great skills in healthcare, especially in senior healthcare, which is globally a $7 trillion market per year. Let me say it again, not a billion, not a million. It's $7 trillion market. And it's not that money is the only thing that matters because it isn't in life. It's serving others and what you do is, did you build something on your journey that changed other people's lives? Did you build something on your journey as a developer or as an entrepreneur that made people's lives better, that they're telling their friends about it? Boy, you got to see this. This is amazing. And it's needed. So that's what I'm, um, I'm here to do today is to make a case for doing some things that are not just fun for your own age group, but for my age group and my parents' age group, because we, we sure need the smart people on your show to, to help build that content. Wow. There's two sound bites there, Justin. <laughs> yeah, mark it down. Mark it yeah. down. Yeah. yeah, that's um, that's 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 wicked because you know you mentioned there the the population the the kind of older population is becoming uh, more abundant. People are living a lot longer. Plus, there's the kind of like baby boomer kind of folks who are kind of like retiring or what have you. But interestingly, and and my uh, nana is evidence of this a sample of one but evidence nonetheless that older people do not think or believe that they are old they don't care about their age they still think they're kind of 20 or whatever my, my nana doesn't want to so she's in a it's like an assisted living place right. um which i'm assuming is probably similar to the kind of places that you serve to be honest sure. and she she doesn't like she does reluctantly and she's kind of fine with it now but when she first moved in she didn't actually like socializing with some of the other people that were there because in her words i don't like socializing with older people she liked to hang out with me and my sister and, and my wife and that and go to like nice places for food and stuff like that and so although that that market is growing you know there is still huge opportunities because they they you know, they don't think of themselves as old do they? Kane, you're, abs- you're absolutely right. In, in the United States, a big organization called AARP, American Association of Retired People, did a survey. They've got 38 million members, and they did a survey. And people who were 75 years of age and 85 years of age took the survey, and none of them, almost zero, identified as being a senior citizen or old. And when you talk about you know, building nursing homes that are that are better designed or those wearable push buttons that I was trying to get from my mom, they'll all say, oh, that's a great idea, Kane. Uh, but but uh, that's for those older people. That's not for me. <laughs> so they, they, we, none of us self-identify. We still see ourselves uh, as our younger self. And, and, and so as you're building and designing or creating businesses or services to serve that older population, Take a play out of the automobile industry. 50 years ago, there was a, 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 a car design that came out 
for old folks, for older adults, for senior citizens. And it was a huge flop. Nobody bought it. Nobody bought the car. And it was one of the big failures of the Detroit auto industry in the United States uh, because it was designed for old folks. And just as you're talking about, uh, you're absolutely right. Uh, as we get older, we don't want the stuff for old people. We want the cool stuff that younger people are getting or driving or wearing and that sort of thing. So uh, you don't have to lay down something that uh, for an older person, you don't have to lose the cool factor or the great design something that everyone would find useful, but it solves a major problem for that segment. That would be my advice if you are designing or thinking of an idea. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I've lost my train of thought there. Oh yeah, that's it. So is that then where you think that kind of voice technology comes into play then because it solves a real need, but it's not kind of, doesn't feel like it's supposed to be targeting kind of the old older kind of generation and and the follow-up question to that is how do you present some of the very sort of like like some of the things that the console companion does and we'll get in and you, you know maybe explain what it what it is as well we'll get to that um right. but some of the use cases around you know being able to um i don't know check in on people or, or make sure that they're taking the medication and, and doing all of these things they're very closely related to kind of being kind of older if you know what i mean mm-hmm. and so how do how do you kind of like how does where's that balance between like the older older generation not believing that they're old not wanting anything to do with being like my nana. That's exactly my nana. She doesn't want anything to remind her of her age at all because she doesn't feel that old whatsoever. Sure. However, she still needs to take, you know, five pills a day or at eight o'clock in the morning and she has to get them taken because if she doesn't, then there's consequences. Same thing at midday, same thing on an evening. And so how do you kind of present or frame those use cases that are centered in a need because it's a rose because you are getting older, whilst yeah. at the same time the person doesn't feel that they, they, they might need it, for example? Okay. Two, two great questions. I'm going to break it into two pieces there, if I could. Uh, the three buckets, the three categories where skills or applications or businesses and services are needed are around being connected, being engaged mentally, and being protected. So connected engaged and protected. And there are some uh, ideas that will cut across more than one of those categories uh, at a single time. But most of the applications that we use consistently, and currently Constant Companion has healthcare partnerships in over 200 U.S. cities and now in Canada. And uh, we've been invited to do some things in, in the U.K. and the Netherlands, so we're looking into that next. But Consistently, everywhere we go, in, in, in whether it's working with home care agencies to take care of people at home or in assisted living facilities in nursing home environments, um, those are the three things we see the most need for. It's communication, staying mentally engaged, being able to keep using your brain. It will slow down memory loss. It'll, it'll you know, the old saying, uh, Dustin and Kane, if you don't use it, you lose it. You know, it's kind of like learning a language or working out and exercising a muscle. If we don't, you, there we go. <laughs> uh, like Popeye with a big muscle there. But, but if, if we don't use our brain, 
if you don't use it, you lose it. And watching TV is a is a poor exercise. But but using your brain to access a skill like this day in history uh, years ago and all the fun things you can do uh, with voice technology uh, is fascinating. We have older adults. People think they can't learn to use technology. That's a big mistake. All they need is a little bit of coaching. You know, voice is natural. Uh, you know, this is the first time that we've been able to access computing where instead of us learning the operating system for the computer, the computer has learned the operating system for people. So all we need is a wake word and you can just talk to it like a friend. You can get answers from the web. You can talk about anything you want. So our oldest active customer is 101 years young uh, and he's a big fan uh, of AI and voice and what are you guys going to build next and all that good stuff. Uh, and our, our number one power user last month was a guy named Paul in West Virginia in the United States. And his average use of Alexa, uh, we, we work with Google, Siri, Alexa, all the major popular platforms, but he's on an Alexa system and uh, was 72 times per day on average. He was using the, the wake word that many times. Now he's bed bound, but he can turn on his lights, turn them off and on, turn on the TV, turn the volume up and down, change the channel, lock and unlock his door. And he can see who's at the door. All of that with voice technology. So if you think about what your audience is designing and building that's fun and useful, it's, it's not just for cool factor, you're changing the world and you're changing the quality of people's lives. Imagine one day, may this day never come for anyone who's watching your show right now or listening in, but imagine losing your ability to get out of bed without help, that you're bed bound and you've lost the ability to drive your car. You take your, They took the car keys away, okay, <laughs> maybe long ago. And gradually over the years, you've been losing your personal power. What would that feel like? What does it feel like is the purpose of your life every day? What do you have left? What do you What are you going to do? What are you going to contribute uh, to the world today? And then suddenly, voice technology gradually lets you reclaim some of that personal power. Uh, our active user, I told you about, that was uh, bed bound and can control his whole home now with his voice. Um, I actually met the gentleman the day they were installing his system. I, I didn't tell him I was the owner. I just wanted to, I was from customer support, wanted to say hello and wanted to meet him. And uh, he was kind of sad. He was a little depressed. Um, he did not talk very much. You had to pull any answers out of him that you wanted. To. And uh, eight weeks later, different person. <laughs> he was telling me jokes that he learned from Alexa that morning. He was telling his grandkids jokes that he heard. He knew riddles. He knew what happened on this day a hundred years ago. So this guy was engaged. This guy was a completely different place uh, mentally, emotionally, and probably physically as well. So that's what you're building when you create things for others uh, in voice technology. Just, just a little news from the from the wartime front out in healthcare, that's that's the value of what you and your audience uh, build each and every day. Sound bite number two, Edison? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> 
I, I think we've, we've got a lot of great stuff already, Mark, but can you tell us more about what Constant Companion actually does and what you're building? Sure. Well, thank you for that. Uh, uh, we are at the intersection of AI-powered voice and video uh, and healthcare, especially senior health. And our number one mission is to make people's lives better. And we do that by using empathy, data, and AI-powered voice tools uh, to keep people, as we said earlier, you know, more connected, not only to their friends and family, but connected to an AI voice solution that feels like they got a little roommate. I've heard that more than once or twice. I've heard them, people ask, what does Alexa look like and how do we get to meet her and things like that? And we don't want to uh, uh, bust their bubble and explain what AI is. They just don't think of it that way. We provide a solution. There's no equipment to buy. We put a speaker in every room of the home. They don't need a smartphone. They don't even need Wi-Fi. If they don't have internet at home, we have solutions that have all that built in. It arrives fully pre-programmed in a beautiful box. You just take it out and just plug it in. That's it. Then one of our advisors will give a little teaching, a little training on how to use your system. We have a very specialized training program for older adults. It's fun. It's simple. It doesn't feel like a lot of work. Uh, we have visual cues around their home that help them get going. And we turn senior citizens into power users with voice technology. We also have a monitored solution where you can call for help. Um, and this is reaching our urgent response center 24-7. So if someone has a fall, a medical emergency, a fire, uh, somebody is trying to break in late at night, whatever the case may be, they have a voice-activated security system that's monitored 24-7. Um, as you can see, it's uh, on this side of me right here, it's three times faster than any of the push buttons we, we placed. And it's 83% more reliable if you look at the other poster because wearable push button, panic buttons um, are useless if you leave them on the nightstand or on the charger. And 83% of the time in independent studies, when people fall or have an emergency, they don't have their wearable push buttons on them, which renders them uh, you know, useless if you can't get to it. So voice is throughout your home. You can call for help. So that's another solution we provide. And then finally, uh, it's a voice assistant for a voice activated smart home that becomes not just a smart home, but a safe home for anyone living alone, really of any age. We provide that for seniors and now more and more recently for veterans who come back with injuries or for those with dis disabilities of any age, starting from little kids all the way on up. So we're proud to be of service to help our seniors and those with some limitations that need some help. We also provide that on an enterprise level for campuses at assisted living, the largest one we just installed um, has 1,200 beds. And our enterprise campus solutions, you can have campus-wide communications like a big PA system on smart speakers in every room for meals and you know activities and come join us for bingo and activities or secure one-to-one -one communication. And I said the word secure, so I'll leave you with this last thought. But one of our patented solutions uh, both uh, issued patents in the U.S. and pending worldwide, maybe some of your developers would like to work with us on, is security. We built a private cloud where you can access the voice technology, but 
neither Amazon, Google, Apple, nor any of the phone companies or ISPs, none of them know your name. We anonymize the user base, so it may know your first name, but it won't know your last name, won't know your address, it won't know even what state or country you're located in. So we can give you access to uh, voice technology and the internet and protect your privacy. And just a little food for thought, but I, I personally believe in privacy and that we have perhaps an unhealthy relationship sometimes with our technology providers. So we give people the option, they don't have to opt in, but if they want privacy, we can lock it down behind military grade encryption. And that's guaranteed up to $1 million per user by Lloyd's of London. Uh, so we ensure the cybersecurity and information assurance to keep you private and we'll never sell that information. Uh, that's, that's what we do for our customers to keep them safe and also keep their personal information safe. Wow. So correct me if I'm wrong then. So you, you install smart speakers for a monthly or yearly cost or whatever. So there's no, you don't, it's not like people buy the devices and you come and install it. You supply them, you fit them, you train people on how to use them. You presumably have some kind of software either running on top or something like that, that will give you this kind of messaging capability and, and the kind of bespoke functionality that you have um, catering for those kind of use cases you mentioned. And then, so, but it's but it's Alexa though under the hood, is that right? You, you build it on top of Alexa. It can be Alexa. It can be Google. It can be Siri. It can be Samsung Bixby, and we can have it work on Microsoft Cortana. So basically, it works on any uh, AI-powered voice platform. the The key there is: are those platforms available in the size, style, color, price point, and you know shape of speakers? that uh, fit your home and environment the way you need. And each of those brands has different uh, different availability and, and so forth. So I think the two big titans are Google and Amazon in terms of uh, popularity, global adoption, multiple languages, and you know various speaker sizes and capabilities to fit your needs. Yeah. Interesting. Um, Everyone who's tuning in on LinkedIn, feel free if you do have any questions for Mark to stick them in the comments there, and uh, we'll do our best to uh, to field them to you, Mark. Um, what sort of advice? You, know, you give some good advice already. To be fair, in terms of like the the need for kind of people to be creating, you know, compelling products that that solve a, a real need for for kind of older adults. Sure. And things like that from your sort of experience in, in kind of like, you know, setting up the company, installing these devices, you know, rolling them out, training people, observing them use these devices uh, and, and use the software. What do you think, have you got any kind of advice or guidance or takeaways in terms of the kind of user behavior thing, maybe things to consider if you were going to build something for, you know, the older adult community, how, you know, is there anything about the way that they use these devices that you need to be careful of or be aware of? Or is there any trends within that kind of user behavior? Like any advice that you would give from a kind of implementation perspective or from a design perspective or something like that for, for anyone who's looking to create a, a voice-based service for, for the older adults? Sure. Uh, so the 
one one request we get that would be very popular uh, are on the music skills or music uh, functionality on the various platforms. Uh, if you go back by genre, the oldest decades of music, you know, collections that have been, you know, uh, put together are as the 1950s. So if you want to play uh, games like uh, song quiz or listen to music from a certain era, you can get, you know, the 90s, the 80s, the 70s, the 60s, but it's the furthest back we've been able to find in the 1950s. And some of our clients would like music from a little before that, believe it or not. <laughs> so, so if you could give us uh, something a little bit further back. But in terms of adoption. Oh, I do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, kind of cool. Uh, in terms of adoption, uh, it's a mistake to think that older adults uh, can't learn to use uh, the technology. In fact, people who are living alone, uh, they really they really get connected quickly. We have found within, usually within eight weeks, um, if you tried to take the voice uh, away, if you tried to take their smart speakers out, uh, they, would, they would get very upset or sad. They, they really uh, rely on it. Um, as we get older, we are more reliant on our routines. We need our routines to remember to take our meds or where we keep our car keys or, you know, what we have for breakfast. People get more ingrained in their rituals. So for if you're developing or building solutions for that market, uh, gosh, you've got a home run here. Because once they start using uh, your solution, they're going to want it every day. They're going to want it all the time. So, you know, build things that are fun, simple, and easy, uh, but you, you'll have a very loyal audience in seniors because once they discover you, they'll tell their friends and they'll tune in every day. Uh, some of the most popular things are things like Jeopardy and the games and so forth. You can't do enough of those. So if you're, if you're thinking about building one, get going. <laughs> <laughs> That's class. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, one question that I had, and I'm not sure if you have data on this yet, but one of the big questions of people who are building for these platforms is making money. And certainly you've got your subscription model, but I'm curious if you have any idea in terms of, uh, you know, in-skill purchases or on the other platforms, are the seniors spending money inside there as well? You know, I think that uh, shopping by voice uh, is here to stay. I think uh, it's it's how we will communicate and do business in the future. Today, it's called, you know, in-app voice purchasing, or we call it voice technology. Wait five years, you'll just call it technology. That's just going to be how devices work. Um, you know, the, the faster you can replace a keyboard and a mouse with voice as your operating system, the greater your adoption and regular usage will be. I think everything from the travel industry, from hotels and airlines on, uh, hospitality is going to be a big part of the future of voice, as will, uh, you know, shopping with your voice. I think you're going to be able to uh, use our voice for just about everything that we need on a day-to-day basis. So uh, we're in the early days of adoption now. It's really only been about the past three or four years that the quality or the accuracy of voice has been good enough to see this type of explosive growth. 
So uh, there's no doubt uh, the, the hyper growth is going to continue and it will become the standard in just about every industry. So in, including what you're asking about, which I believe is shopping, uh, which, uh, of course, everybody's a fan uh, being able to get stuff more conveniently delivered the way you want it, when you want it. And, oh, by the way, I don't have to go log into my computer to do it. I can just say, you know, X, Y, Z, wake word, get me more paper towels. And there's a knock at the door. Here you go. Nice. Speaking of uh, adoption, Robert Collock has said, uh, first of all, kudos on your vision and success. Um, another, consi- another consideration is that people, uh, as people age into the market that you're targeting, they'll already be accustomed to using voice technology. And so in five, 10, you know, 15 years time or whatever, you're going to have a whole new user group who are already used to and probably expect that kind of technology. Sure. Uh, and so Robert's observation is that adoption should, should grow even more exponentially than it already is. You know, uh, Robert, I totally agree. But the other thing that will happen in five years is what is new technology today may be commonplace, but what new technology will there be in five or 10 years that will be maybe even hard to imagine today. Think about this. Let's go back in time, 25 years. Do you remember the fax machines that had the the curly paper on it? Remember the early cell phones that had the big brick with the big antenna on it? Remember those guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eric Eric Trotter from Waterfields and Horses used to have one of them. There we go. (laughs) Now they're in a museum. And my first computer monitors had the big, you know, box, it was big boxy with a lot of air to it. Of course, now everything is thin and light and even curved. So that's 25 years. And, you know, you see Moore's Law doubling every 18 months. That's going to continue. So the speed of change is changing. The speed at which new technology is coming to us is happening faster than we're able to learn, adopt, and integrate as humans. And so I believe that there will be a need for companies like Constant Companion and others that many of you may start, create and grow. Um, and we need we need your help. There's uh, none of us are smarter than all of us. So we need teammates like all of you creating those solutions for the future, because keeping pace with technology and being able to leverage its benefits for older adults and you know, those of us who may not be that old today will be old one day. And who's going to be there for us to make it useful, be of service, readily available, easy to understand, easy to get it, easy to get it installed, easy to get it repaired. You know, sort of a concierge type service for tech for uh, older adults, I think, is going to be around for as long as they're humans, because the tech is growing at an exponential pace and we're aging uh, at a linear pace and we're just not as quick and as smart as we were when we were 25. So that's a, that's a big market and it's an important to take care of folks. Mm. Uh, Amy Stapleton, shout out to Amy, uh, has said, just curious, what do you think the standard voice assistants do well and where are they lacking? And a follow-up question is, are you in any way, shape, or form trying to address any of those gaps with the stuff that you're doing on top? Well, thank you, Amy, for the question. And it's very flattering that you would think that uh, I can change the world with, uh, with, with uh, one voice here. But, but I, I believe 
it's hard to imagine saying this for three years ago versus today, but I, I think each of the AI voices have a personality. Um, and what many of our users say that they like about Alexa is she's more friendly. You know, she's charming. She's kind of chatty, Kathy, and, and so forth. And Google is very smart and uh, boy, if you want to get a great search result for the best restaurant or the best delivery for food, you know, Google is going to be hard to compete with Google on the search capability. And, you know, Apple's Siri, you know, you know, she's she was the early bird. She was the first one out there, uh, but she could warm up a little bit. She could get to be a little friendlier. OK, uh, is what I hear uh, from our users. And so depending upon the user, we sometimes suggest or recommend uh, one of the voice platforms for them that might be the best fit. But isn't it interesting that we're having a conversation about what's the personality of your AI? What's your what's the friend, the friendly factor or the useful factor uh, of the AI? And is it something that people feel comfortable with? And I don't know about you, Amy, but I always like people best when I feel that they listen well. So, uh, and you kind of pick your friends that way. We probably pick our AI that way. So who's the best listener, not just in accuracy of speech, but context. And I think that's the, the, the big leaps that are happening now are doing a better and better job with context. Um, and I, I think that machine learning is going to get us there faster than some of the original, if this, then that uh, AI programming that we were trying to build in the early days. But that's, that's just my view from my chair. So, hmm. What do you think, Dustin, what do you think that uh, some of the mainstream assistants could do better from a, for, for, from a, either from a usability perspective, for particularly thinking about the elderly? For the elderly, I'm not sure. Uh, it's not. It's not my expertise. Uh, um, maybe. Maybe Mark, like everyone else, I, I still think I'm young. So maybe I'm closer <laughs> to that point than, than I uh, than I probably think I am. Um, but honestly, in in terms of uh, overall, it's the basics. Like it, it really is the basics. Um, I hate to say this. I hate to say this because you know we we do see the value in this. Uh, we do see the future in this as well. But certainly, that trough of despair is we're there. Um, I think about it every time I ask Alexa to set. How do I phrase it? Um, when I say something like "wake me up at uh, wake me up at uh, eight a.m." Uh, or wake me up in 30 minutes. That's that's what I say. And then I decide not to take a nap after all. And I say, Alexa, cancel my timer. And it goes, oh, oh, I don't have a timer or I don't have an alarm. The fact that Alexa can't understand that a timer and alarm <laughs> might be the same thing. It, I'm probably going to throw it out the window one of these days. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it's just so incredibly frustrating. And one of the things, Mark, I'd be interested in getting your thoughts on this as well. When you're working with these people who are, who are speaking to these devices for the first time, my impression is that if your mobile app doesn't work, we understand. If your website doesn't work, we understand as well. But as soon as you introduce that conversation, you expect things have to work. Is that the same thing that you're seeing with your customers as well? That, um, 
either they get incredibly frustrated because it's not working and they expect it to, or maybe they think it's their fault. What happens when they run into something that doesn't work? And is it the same as you see across the board? Or uh, would you say that your customers are maybe approaching it in a unique way? Uh, we have a little training technique that we discovered years, a couple of years ago, and we introduce our older adults to their smart speaker and say, now, right now, he or she is in about kindergarten graduating up to first grade. So you're going to have to be patient with him or her because uh, you can set voice to male or female on Google, for example. And you have to be patient. But now if you're a good grandparent and good coach, she'll get smarter every year and, and you'll have fun being the coach. And so once they think of it as uh, someone that needs a little bit of help, once they think of it as, as a little person, as a little personality, all of a sudden the patience level goes up. And if they didn't understand you the first time, then you can slow down and repeat it again. They go, oh, now I understand you, uh, you know, Dustin. So that, that has been very successful for us. Um, and people love it. They, they, they feel like they got a little roommate. Um, they, they're, they're, they're happy to have the company. They keeps them more engaged. Uh, but we, we teach that little trick to our older adults and they seem to be uh, a little more patient thinking about a little youngster. Yeah. That is wicked. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Mark, uh, speaking of platforms and, and holes or maybe filling those holes, what are your thoughts on Care Hub that Amazon announced? What is it, a couple of weeks back? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'm, I'm always excited to see new opportunities and options uh, that, that will help in care. Uh, you know, we are a, a big fan of Amazon and, and Google and everybody in voice that's building and developing uh, tools that make care better. Um, I, I haven't uh, registered already uh, to be an early adopter when they finally release it. So I haven't had a chance to test drive it yet, but I like the concept of a circle of care where you can have more people engaged and, you know, using voice as the platform. I think that's the future. That's where we're all headed. That's the tool that we're born with is our voice. So I'm, I'm very glad to see it. Um, you know, there more and more will be happening, I believe, in healthcare with voice technology. In fact, we're involved in numerous pilots and beta trials with healthcare organizations um, uh, to try to make you know, some of the automation and communication tools available in, in that environment. So. Cool. Got a couple more questions coming through here. Uh, one from David Clark. Shout out to David Clark. He's going to be on the podcast next week, believe it or not, uh, with Tim Atkinson from Google. Uh, David Clark's at BT talking about RCS messaging. So a little shameless plug there for, for next week's episode. Uh, we'll speak more about that in, uh, later on. But uh, we've got some questions coming through thinking fast. So David has said, uh, how do you handle interactions that stray into the medical and healthcare space? And Robert's got another question which is kind of similar along those lines, which is are you working on ways to provide patient information that you gather to their kind of um, physician or EHR? That's probably an Americanism, is it? EHR? Uh-huh. Electronic, electronic medical records are when one physician is working with the patient information. EHR is when multiple physicians, maybe different specialists and so forth, are collaborating in a shared environment. Right. So EMR and EHR 
very, very similar uh, issue. Yes, we have a platform that uh, we have filed for patent protection on. Uh, it is in uh, trials now where it can be a secure private gateway for voice in healthcare. So imagine hospitals having either video or voice uh, speaker at each bedside uh, being released and going home from the hospital, uh, perhaps uh, bringing a speaker with you uh, so that you can be discharged but not disconnected from care. So the very same uh, nurse or doctor or provider that you were uh, having a little knee surgery or something with, you can ask your questions right back to the same team and so forth and so on. So whether we're in hospital, physician's office, long-term care facility, or at home, and 90% of all delivery of healthcare is at, is at home. Um, so it's a big market to, to cover all those different locations. So the ability to have a secure private gateway that anonymizes the patient so we can have uh, protected health information, PHI, which is in the United States, is a, a HIPAA requirement that we, uh, there's 18 different identifiers that need to be secured. So we have solutions that uh, have the promise of solving that. And we're going through very large scale audits with one of the largest law firms in the United States and some of the largest penetration testing firms from cybersecurity from my prior life in in cyber, uh, working on breaking and entering and trying to hack into the uh, system that we use at our core. And it appears to be very stable and sturdy and gives a bright light of possibility I don't want to overstate it until we can deliver it with a bow on it for you. But we we hope to have a secure private gateway for voice technology. And that's going to open up for all of your developers um, another another set of platforms that they can work in. Uh, What would be the different use cases, skills and applications and resources that could be built for healthcare environment, which, of course, is in the United States is, you know, a huge part of our. Uh, gross domestic product is uh, our biggest industry. And as we age, that's going to be a global phenomenon for business everywhere. So uh, here's to privacy, security, and making voice be the voice first platform um, across all of healthcare. For more information on that, you can shoot me a note, uh, write to hello at Consta Companion, and we'll get you some updates as, as that rolls out. Nice. You'd expect nothing less, Dustin, would you, from from a guy who's who's spent uh, his career in in, in cyber security? You'd expect this to be like the most locked down, like right. bulletproof platform in the world. <laughs> it's super impressive. Well, all all of our user information is behind two fifty six AES, which is the same level security we use to wire money around the world or do secure encrypted communications, but. Um, I, I think nothing is hack proof. I built my entire career on breaking and entering, uh, including the most secure systems in Washington, D.C. Anything can be hacked or anything uh, can be can be compromised. But, you know, starting first with the architecture is the key. And that's what we did from day zero uh, from, you know, from day one when we built when we built our systems We started with security in mind. Nice. Um, Paul Thomas has asked or commented, it would be great to connect you with the team at Alana Heriot Watt University. Uh, Oliver Lemon and the team are working on some very complimentary ideas with Companion AI. 
I don't know whether you've heard of that. Uh, I have not, but I would love to meet them. Uh, we are very collaborative. Um, you know, in all of my throughout my career, we've had multiple uh, teammates uh, at a time, whether they be small or much, much larger than us. And we are good uh, working partners and like to collaborate and uh, providing we can be in a, a safe environment where everybody's comfortable. Uh, we, we love to share and work in teams. So we'd be happy to meet them. Cool. Nice. Well, I'll, uh, what we'll do is, this is live on LinkedIn anyway, I'll tag you in the comment with Paul, and uh, yeah, you two can get acquainted. Live matchmaking, Dustin, on VUX World. It's <laughs> a first. It is a first, actually. This this could be, um, I almost want something to happen now, because it would be good to be able to point back and say, yeah, this, this happened live on the podcast. We'll come back when the big mergers and deals happen and say it happened live here. You saw it first. Exactly, exactly. And uh, yeah, maybe we should put it in writing now, Dustin, about kickbacks and such forth. There we go. <laughs> cool. So, uh, Mark, this has been absolutely, this has been wicked. Dustin, any any final questions, final thoughts for, for Mark? I don't think so. Thanks so much, Mark. This has been great. Where, where can people, Mark, where can they go if they, um, you know, want to reach out? I think you give your email address already, but in terms of like either checking out Constant Companion or following the stuff that you're doing, you know, what's the best way for people to uh, to reach out and, and, you know, contact you a lot? Sure. See, see us online at constantcompanion.com or shoot us a note. Uh, just write to hello at constantcompanion.com. You'll immediately get brochures and links to some fun videos. You can check out what's happening uh, we'd love to hear from you, and we'll we'll keep in touch. Wicked, and Robert Robert Collock as well has said uh, sounds very hopeful, and I'll be sending a note about some prototypes as well. So it looks like there's uh, someone else that wants to chat there. Uh, welcome. This is this is good. We should do this from now on, actually, Dustin. <laughs> the VUX World Matchmaking Service is what we should there you be doing. There we That's go. what we should be doing. Nice one. Yeah. Well, you guys have a great show. I've really enjoyed uh, episodes of watching your show, and it was an honor to be invited on. And uh, to everyone watching who's in the industry, kudos for being at the tip of the spear of changing the world in just about every industry uh, that touches people's lives. And thanks for having the show. Wicked. Appreciate that, Mark. Thanks very much. And thank you for joining us and joining in and commenting and uh, sticking your questions down there. It's much appreciated as always. Uh, and next week, I mentioned we're going to be talking to David Clark and Tim Atkinson uh, of Google and BT. Uh, not respectively, David's BT, Tim is Google. <laughs> and, uh, Irre- be- irrespectively. Irrespectively, yeah. That's <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah, and we're going to be talking about a um, slightly different topic to today, but it's the, essentially what we see as being the future of uh, conversational messaging, so RCS messaging. It's similar to, well, it's not similar to SMS. David will probably uh, have words to say if I compare it to SMS. Uh, but essentially, it is a standard kind of protocol for messaging on 5G phones. And we kind of touched on it a little bit with the Ask Marvy podcast. But the the potential for, um, you know, conversational, one commerce engagement, um, think, think WhatsApp natively on your phone and a hell of a lot more dynamic and a hell of a lot more interactive. And so, going to be getting into some details on what google and bt are up to on that front uh which will be next week but right now mark thank you again so much for joining us it's been an absolute pleasure wish you all the best with constant companion i think that the the work that you're doing is absolutely fantastic uh one of those areas where the technology meets the user meets the need 
meets the context and the environment where they need it. Um, and I think that it's a, it's absolutely fantastic. So kudos for everything you've done and all the best for the future. Thank you so much. And appreciate you having us on the show today and uh, look forward to hearing more from your show as the weeks roll by. Nice one. Cheers. And all thank right. you everyone else. Uh, thank you, Justin, as always. And uh, we'll see you all next week. <laughs>